You're listening to the All Points North podcast by Transport for the North. Hi, this is Gemma. You're listening to the Transport for the North podcast. On today's show, we're going to give you a bit of a run-through of what's been happening in the news lately, in the world of politics, in the world of transport, what's been happening there. Uh, We've got a special interview with our major roads director, Peter Molyneux, and we'll also be chatting about land value and transport. So, let's get started. Joining me today is my colleague Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Gemma. So you've been out and about a lot recently. There's been a lot going on in the world of politics. We've got a new prime minister. We've had a lot of pledges, a lot of announcements, a lot of visits. Fill us in on some of those details. Um, yes, yeah, so obviously it's been very good. We've been leading on um, a northern budget asks, which is obviously the, the biggest part of that is Northern Paris Rail, which we see as kind of the backbone of the future rail network, and that's we need a commitment to that whole network, and that's that's crucially important to make sure that people can get where they need to in the north. So when Boris Johnson came in as Prime Minister, he did his first speech in in Manchester, and he committed to the Manchester Leeds section of that uh, of Northern Paris Rail so we've been keen to continue to push to say we want the commitment to up to 39 billion for the for the whole network not just the Manchester Leeds section although we do massively appreciate obviously the commitment that early in his tenure. We've had several visits now from the new Prime Minister, from Transport Ministers, from the Chancellor, more commitments to Northern Powerhouse Rail, to other projects and other schemes, what else has been happening? Um, yes, I think obviously we've got, um, you know, we've started to see some of the announcements for the, the major road network, so we'll hear a bit more about that from Peter later, um, but one of the things that we're keen on is that we look at transport, not just in terms of transport for transport sake, but in terms of what it means for the wider economy, so when we look at Northern Paris Rail, we don't see that as a rail project, we see that as, as, as what that means for connecting the cities and the towns of the north, so we know that not everybody can transport by rail you know we, we we want to see that mode shift of people move on to more sustainable ways of traveling but at the minute it's important that we make sure that the road network's up to standard as well so to get a lot of many of the schemes that we've we've asked for to start to get funding to move these forward is is vitally important because these will it, these aren't just putting plasters all over the north and you know which bits do we want to do now there's 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 some solid evidence and, and strategy behind why we're looking at these schemes and why they'll bring the north close together and what's been the reaction? So the Prime Minister's um, committed to the Manchester to Leeds leg of Northern Powerhouse Rail. Several other ministers have also referenced that commitment. What's the reaction to that? Um, so the reaction's been it been positive. I think um, you know we've we there's a long way to go. I think everybody accepts that there's with with transport in particular, it takes this these changes aren't going to happen overnight. But we need to continue to make sure that we push forward the schemes and continue to get that pipeline of investment moving forward so that as one schemes are brought forward and delivered, we want them delivered on time, then the next phase is ready to go so that we're constantly, we, you know, we're not chasing our tails, we're constantly further ahead and understanding what's coming up next. So so to get these early commitments so short, so soon into the into the government is, is really, really welcome. But we're still very much pushing the case for it's not just the Manchester to Leeds section of NPR that we need 
that in isolation isn't going to to bring us the the transformation that we need in the north we've got to see the whole route of npr we've got to see hs2 of course yes yeah. so so northern paris rail is is about it's manchester it's connecting to manchester airport but it's also about leeds it's about uh, liverpool hull sheffield and newcastle and obviously places like warrington and bradford in between as well um but like i said we're also conscious that although we need to get outside of the Manchester Leeds, but we also need to get outside of the big cities. So a lot of what we're proposing, like I say, going back to the roads networks and, and the wide improvements that we're looking for on the rail network, you know, these will benefit the smaller side of the cities as well. Um, and where we sit, we don't want to take any of the power away from local transports. You know, each individual area will have their own priorities for what they want to do. Um, we want to be able to understand which of those schemes will bring the North close together and help to, to connect them better within the rest of the North and, and beyond, ultimately. And of course, we've just finished party conference season. Uh, congratulations to yourself for, for getting through it um, and for, for many other people. I know it's uh, it's, it's a tough gig. Uh, so you've attended both the Labour Party conference and the Conservative Party conference over the past couple of weeks. Tell us about how they went, discussions that you've been having with people there, what the, the sort of feelings are around transport when you're speaking to, to those working in, in Parliament. So we've been to uh, three party conferences in a row now over the last two years and um, the first one was all about getting statutory status, the second one was about getting the strategic transport plan across the line which is the, the assessing the overall context about where we need to go with transport and why. And this year it was much more bringing to life about what we're asking for. So the Northern Budget is saying we need this £39 billion commitment to Northern Paris Rail. We need the £7 billion commitment to the Northern Infrastructure Pipeline to actually get the schemes moving that, we've, that, we've, that we know will start to make a difference sooner rather than later. And £1 billion to continue to develop, uh, integrate the smart travel and the next phase of that pipeline and crucially to continue to develop Northern Paris Rail as well. So over the last three times that we've been, we've constantly showed that we're evolving moving forward each time we're saying this is what we want to come back to when we come back to see you again and that's what we've been doing so the response has been really positive um from it doesn't seem it's it's not really a political issue you know it's 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 something that everybody recognizes and, and not just northerners as well everybody seems to recognize that it's something that's crucially important for the country to get the north firing on all cylinders and actually moving forward so so yeah it was very very positive and of course, the other uh, big thing that uh, we've seen recently, um, I don't know how you fitted it all in, quite frankly, but we've launched the um, Transport Across the North All-Party Parliamentary Group. Tell us about that. That's right, yes. Yeah, so the, the, the All-Party Parliamentary Group is basically going to be a forward for us to, to, to talk to with, with Northern uh, parliamentarians, you know, and, and others that take an interest. You know, there's a lot of people that want to see the North do better, particularly in the Midlands, you know, when we're looking at... Um, improving those links to Birmingham and, and the East Midlands as well. That's that's crucially important if we want the North to, to work well. And obviously up to Scotland and Wales, you know, we're not just in a little bubble in the North, we need to improve those connections outside as well. But fundamentally, yeah, it's about having that forum for discussion with parliamentarians about what they want from, from transport across the North as well, and so they can feed into our plans. And obviously we can then provide regular updates about where we're going and, and what we're doing. Fantastic. So lots more still to come then, keeping you busy. There is, yes. Yeah, there's plenty to go, go on, yes. Excellent. Fantastic. And of course, another hot topic at the moment, Stephen, is devolution. Um, the Chancellor has been talking about this. We've had discussions uh, going on right across the country about moving more local powers to the north. Tell us, tell us where we are with that. 
Yes, that's really interesting. So our board have recently been looking at uh, where they want to go in terms of devolution and how it will work for the North. Because I think there's a crucial bit when it comes to, to, to devolution, which is a big difference between decentralisation and devolution in terms of actually delegating the decisions that need to be made to local areas so that they can actually make those decisions rather than just implementing them locally, which I think sometimes causes a little bit of confusion. So yeah, but obviously we don't just want devolution for devolution's sake, just in the same way we don't want transport for transport's sake. We need to make sure that what we're asking for from the northern perspective is actually going to make a difference to the people who use transport in, in the north as well. Um, but one of the things that we're quite aware of is that there's not just, it, there isn't just transport, you know, there's a lot of other areas that I'm sure will be keen on, on devolution and we'll, we'll watch that closely because I'm sure that'll be really interesting in terms of which other areas would like some improvements and improved decision making. So that's another area where we can watch and, and see and, and make our case for, for getting the North's, uh, North's voice heard and getting what we need to, to grow and evolve. Yeah, that's right. I think it's I think it's an exciting time to be in the north. I think um, I think if, if we look at where we're going to be in thirty years, which is the you know essentially the timeline of our strategic transport plan, um, I think we'll, you'll probably look back on on this time and be like, you know, that that's where things really start to get going and really start to change. So it's it's an interesting time to be be around. And one of the things that we're um, still waiting to hear more about, we've we've been talking there. We've had. A lot of announcements recently, a lot of commitments, a lot of pledges, and we have had some um, funding come through for a couple of uh, road projects in particular, and a few a few other areas as well. Um, but of course, we're still awaiting um, a budget. We had a spending round um, just a few weeks ago, which will kind of tide uh, departments over. And again, there was some good news in that for for roads, for buses, and things like that, which are all very welcome and, and going to make a real difference to people right across the north one area we're still uh, waiting to hear about is regarding um, more of that road funding so through the national roads fund which i just want to talk a bit about because we've submitted a 700 million pounds bid to the national roads fund now that's a three and a half billion pound fund that was announced it's available for major road schemes right across the country so as transport for the north we've submitted a northern bid of 16 different schemes. Now these are schemes that are locally really important and they are in Cumbria, Newcastle, Sheffield, Bradford, there's one in Liverpool, East Riding of Yorkshire, they're, they're right across the north and these are schemes that will really make a difference to people, to residents, to businesses as they go about their daily lives. These are those roads that we like to talk about those first and last miles of the journeys there, the networks, where it really makes a difference if you can come out of your house and get onto a, a smooth flowing road a bit, a bit more easily. So we've uh, submitted that bid at the end of the, the summer. We're waiting to hear back about that now. Uh, we had a couple of, of early announcements in, in one of the Chancellor's announcements recently. So there was some more development funding confirmed for the Tyne Bridge scheme that was part of our bid and also permission to proceed for the East Riding scheme as well. So there's still work to be done on getting those over the line and, and making sure they actually happen. But that, that's a good indication so far and we await further news. 
we've got a little interview with our major roads director peter molyneux who was going to explain a bit more about the major roads network why it's so important why we're making the case for continued investment in our roads he spoke to our colleague annie recently and filled her in on some of those details Currently, over 90% of commuters, including buses and cyclists, and 87% of freight movements use the road network in the north. Highways England plays a major role in operating and managing our roads with the highest traffic volume. 2% of roads fall into this network, so this is only part of the picture. Clearly, both people and businesses are still incredibly reliant on road travel for all or part of their journeys. And it's not just our motorways that need upgrading, with many local roads now facing increased pressures. Peter Molyneux, Major Roads Director at Transport for the North, joins me for a discussion about what's next for the North's roads. Peter, welcome. Hello. Um, could you tell us a bit about um, why the North needs a major road network and how it came about? Yes, so the majority of people actually do their business by road. Um, that's nearly 90% of freight and, and over nearly 90% of commuters. Um, so actually they're the most economically important roads um, which is crucial to Transport for the North and its transformational programme. Um, so we've come up with a road network which we've agreed with all our partners and it includes the uh, strategic road network which most people refer to as, as motorways and A roads um, and that's about 7% of all the roads in the North but they will carry the majority of our commuting travel, business travel and freight. Very interesting. Um, so I've got my handy stat here from our researcher James Jordan, who says that the projected 54% increase in road demand by 2050. So in terms of the, the work that roads play in the strategic transport plan and our vision for 2050, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have at the moment, we, we obviously the future is uncertain. So there's a range in terms of uh, traffic growth as we go forward. Um, one of the objectives that we want to do with our partners is to get some kind of modal shift. But to do that, we have to have a, an offer that will meet, mean that the customer, whether that's uh, the public, business or a piece of freight, is that it's really viable for them to move from road to rail as we move forward. So yes, there will be growth on the road, um, but obviously with um, the future of autonomous and connected vehicles, what we're not certain about is how large that growth will be. Um, and in terms of the improvements that we might be likely to see through the major road network, can you explain a little bit about what that means and, and what that'll, how that will impact your average commuter in the north? Yeah, so the key thing is about improving connectivity and about improving reliability uh, and resilience of those networks. So it might be anything from uh, junction improvements uh, or to road widening, but in some cases there will be new roads such as bypasses or new access roads to housing developments and also uh, business parks. So as well as investment in new roads, how will the major road network impact and improve existing roads? So one of the things that we need to look at is making more efficient use of the existing network. So we know that actually on average, the car occupancy is about one and a half people for, uh, per car. But the really interesting statistic I think is during the peak commuter travel, actually 88% of the cars only have one person in them. So obviously there's room for improvement there. And research shows us that actually, if we can get a 10 to 15% reduction in the traffic, then actually that school holiday traffic every day, which is something people always think is a far more reliable time. So if we can start to move 10 to 15% of those people who are 
in one car uh, onto alternative modes, um, then that means that we've got greater capacity by doing very little investment. And I think to do that, what we've got to start doing is providing uh, real-time travel information to the road user um, as we do on the trains. And I think that will empower people to make the right choice for their journey for that particular day. Um, so one of the interesting things as we go forward is how do we empower the customer? How do we come up with a network that puts the customer at the heart of what we do? How do we make their day better every day? Interesting. And what's fascinating, I think, about the STP and the, the major road network is that it doesn't just focus, as you briefly mentioned, on improving the roads, but also how, we, how roads can facilitate that shift in terms of moving on to different modes of transport. Yeah, so as part of our plans, we're looking to do a massive investment in our rail infrastructure. So part of our uh, proposals is looking about how we ensure multimodal opportunities, whether we new park and ride sites at stations so that people can travel in and out of, of, um, of cities and town centres. Um, but also, I think as we move forward, I think it's the need to travel. Um, so as we become far more digitally connected, as businesses um, don't require people to be present all the time, I think you'll start to see a change in the way people use it. So if people travel off peak because they've logged on in the morning, then we've taken that strain out of um, out of the road network in the morning. Um, so Peter, your team also lead on the development of the strategic development corridors, which are obviously a kind of new way of thinking about transport and transport investment and planning. Uh, could you talk a little bit about those and, and what that means for the north and, and industries and commuters in the north? Yeah, so the work that we've been doing is actually uh, about improving uh, regeneration and transformational growth. So it was based following the independent economic review that said that we actually have some unique um, uh, industries in the north that can facilitate this growth, such as advanced manufacturing, health innovation, energy and digital. So the question is starting not from a transport need, but from a economic need and a job creation need and improving opportunities need, we looked at natural corridors across the north, particularly east-west, where by looking at a corridor approach, we can improve connectivity across a number of towns and cities. And what that means is it means that we give businesses access to a bigger pool of talent, but we also give that talent access to a bigger pool of businesses where they can apply for jobs and, 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 and improved opportunities. So this was a unique way of doing it. In the past, we've tended to look um, very uh, at sort of individual junctions or small sections. Um, but the other thing that was different again was these were multimodal uh, corridors. So we looked at what was the rail and the road improvements that were required along those corridors to improve that connectivity. One of the things I find really interesting about the strategic development corridors is how our local transport authority partners are using these to make the case for investments. So you talk a little bit about that and also some of the success our partners have had over the last couple of months. Yeah, so what we did was the, um, the, the project teams that worked on them involved our partners. So this was very much a bottom-up approach. So our partners said to us, these are the needs that we have to facilitate new housing and jobs and, and improvements to make our networks. So we've tried to look at a sort of door-to-door -door approach. Um, so we've worked with our partners um, to agree what is the sort of um, pan-northern type improvements we've got to make sure that it links with the intra-urban um, improvements as we go forward. So that's been really encouraging. And what has been really helpful is that um, it means that we've got a joined up approach, which will help business and customers as we start to move forward. 
So what's been really interesting is that we've had some great announcements from the government over the last few months, which has included uh, £40 million for the A1231 in Sunderland, which facilitates better access to the port and greater jobs there, £142 million for the Warrington Western Link Road, uh, and um, £102 million for the Carlisle Southern Relief Road, which is part of a housing infrastructure fund which will facilitate massive housing growth in that particular area. And then on top of that, which is really interesting um, to, ch to meet one of our challenges, is that we've got uh, £300,000 to look at Central Pennines the M to con better connect the M6 to the A1M. And that's really important because between Stoke and Glasgow, the only dual carriageway that we have that goes east uh, and west is the M62. So the more east-west connectivity that we've got, the less reliant we are on one road. Yeah, so I looked that up and the, diff the distance between Stoke and Glasgow is something like 250 miles. Um, and when I've kind of asked you about that before, you've had that really interesting analogy about the ladder um, and improving east-west connectivity. So you share with some of our listeners um, kind of the, e the east-west connectivity problem and, and want a couple of more of our solutions in terms of improving that. Yeah, so, so the analogy I use is that if you think of the M1 and the M6 as the outside of the ladder, then the only rung that we've got is the M62, which means we haven't got a very stable ladder. So the things that we're looking at is how do we improve the A69? We know the Highways England are looking at improving the A66 between the, a, uh, the A1M and uh, the M6. Uh, we're looking at Central Pennines, which is this M65 A59 corridor. And we're also looking about how we can improve access between Greater Manchester and Sheffield City region along the A628. And one of the issues that we face is that when we had um, the big storm uh, a couple of winters ago, is that actually all those east-west routes were closed. And you know it seems wrong that in a modern society that we cannot have east-west uh, connectivity uh, closed for a number of days um, just because of the weather. So we need to put more rungs on the ladder so that people have better access uh, east-west as we move forward. So as well as working on the uh, M65 corridor study with Highways England, we've also got a number of other studies on the go. Could you talk a little bit about those? Yes, yeah, so um, the northern, sort of northern um, Trans-Pennine route is the improvements to the A66, which Highways England are leading on, but we're also working with Cumbria and Tees Valley about how we can extend that work so that we improve connectivity coast to coast by looking at west of the M6 within Cumbria and east of the A1M uh, in Tees Valley uh, out to Tees Port. So that would improve that east-west uh, connectivity. We also know Highways England are doing some work on the A69 to improve uh, uh, junctions around uh, Hexham. Um, the other thing that we're looking at is that we have a particular issue with the M62. So east-west traffic meets um, traffic that's travelling in and out of, of Manchester and we get this sort of conflict between sort of local traffic and um, east-west traffic. So the northwest quadrant is looking about how we can improve uh, capacity and resilience of that area so that we can improve economic growth. And then the final one is how do we connect um, not only Greater Manchester Sheffield City region but also beyond that so we're looking at the sort of Trans-Pennine Tunnel and the wider transport connectivity to uh, ensure that we've got um, better connectivity right across that sort of Southern Pennines uh, route which then means that we will have improvements across the Northern Pennines, the Central Pennines and also the Southern Pennines.
That's really interesting. Um, and obviously the, the North's roads don't stop at the border with other authorities or other areas. Uh, you talk a little bit around how we're working with our partners in the Midlands, Wales and, and north of the border in Scotland to encourage joined up thinking. Yeah, so we um, have uh, Transport for Scotland. Um, we've kept them fully engaged with our, our uh, Connecting the Energy Coasts and with their Borders uh, initiative. So they're, they're fully integrated with that. And uh, Welsh uh, Government were sat on our uh, project board for the Western Wales. And what was really interesting was how reliant the North Wales economy is with its links to the North West. And they found that really encouraging that we could facilitate their economic growth by improving that connectivity. We're also working with Midlands Connect uh, to ensure that we get that sort of north-south and they've got improvements to the A46 which just sort of come into our area. So again we're working with them to make sure that that improvements are going on. But I think what's interesting is not just the borders north and south, but actually if you think about it, our borders east and west are with the rest of the world. So one of the things that we're looking at doing is how do we improve connectivity to our ports and airports so that the north can uh, act and, and do business on a global scale. So our competitors are not necessarily London, but actually our competitors need to be Seoul and Singapore and the rest of the world. So obviously uh, road travel is changing and a kind of hot topic at the moment is electric cars and autonomous vehicles, lift share applications, on-demand taxis, the list goes on. Um, how do these affect how we plan roads for the future? I think the biggest change is going to be the movement away from car ownership to car sharing and I think you're starting to see that as more and more people are starting to lease new cars rather than actually buy them. And there's an interesting statistic, I mean, Uber say that in the world at the moment there's about 1.2 billion cars, but 95% of the time they're actually parked. So if you go down a car sharing model, the information is that we could possibly need only 10% of the cars that currently exist to facilitate not only the existing journeys, but the future journeys. And that has massive implications in terms of capacity, but also air quality and also the ability to maybe look at how uh, we make use of, of that road space. So I think as we move forward, on top of that, you have the electrification and the decarbonation of the fleet. So we're likely to see um, electrification of cars, maybe for heavy goods vehicles, uh, the use of hydrogen uh, to power them. So I think you're going to see that as um, over the next five to 10 years, but I think the car manufacturing industry will drive that process and we need to be part of that um, um, information and part of that uh, leadership conversation. Um, but I think the other thing that we're going to see is greater improvements in terms of real-time information. And that will help people not only to pre-plan journeys, but also how to change their journeys if an unexpected event happens as part of their journey. Um, the integrated smart ticketing that Transport for the North is leading on will allow people to make a far more integrated solution and it means that they can make different um, journey types depending on uh, different days of the week and their, their needs. So we're about to kick off our More Than Transport campaign that brings to life the STP, our Strategic Transport Plan, and it explains that even though that plan has transport in the name and we have transport in the name, um, that our plans are about much more than, than tarmac and tracks. What does that mean for you and, and roads and, and the future of the North? I think that's a really interesting point because the fact that we have transport in our name means that it's not just about transport solutions but actually transport is an enabler and transport is an enabler for greater opportunity, uh, in, uh, economic growth and improved quality of life. 
Um, so I think what's really important is that the danger is that we transport and roads, therefore you must go to the Department for Transport. Actually, our, our proposals and our interventions are a solution for many government departments. And I think what we need to do is we need to go back and have a cross-government department because some of our um, solutions uh, will apply to um, Bayes, will apply to MHCLG, will apply to the visitor economy and, and culture economy. So I think the more we can have a cross-government department, uh, maybe with number 10 policy unit, and look at a regional funding allocation, that means that we can better spend the money on behalf of the citizens and businesses of the North and provide a joined-up solution. So the analogy that I like to use is that the interventions may be pieces of the jigsaw, but what we will provide is the picture on the jigsaw box and the pieces of the jigsaw and the order in which to put them together. Brilliant, Peter. Well, thank you very much for your time today. It was a very interesting conversation. Uh, we'll look forward to having you back on again soon. Thank you very much. I'm joined now by Jack Snape, Principal Analyst here at Transport for the North, and he's been working with the University of Leeds recently on a research project looking at the relationship between land and transport. So, Jack, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Uh, tell us a bit about this, about this project and how it came about. So um, we worked with our partners, West Yorkshire Combined Authority, to co-fund uh, some research from the University of Leeds. And what we wanted to do is try and quantify um, the extent to which transport accessibility can increase land value. And um, the research found that there's a significant impact from rail, road and walking access, um, and that this potentially could help to bring forward investment to help tackle problems like the housing crisis and, and generally get investment into the north of England. Uh, and we're going to use this evidence to build our analytical framework and um, use it in things like the Northern Powerhouse Rail business case to show, show the positive impact that transport can have on the economy in the, in the north, help to rebalance the UK. So how do you do this kind of, of, of research? What, what goes on behind the scenes? So we needed to get together some really big data sets on um, the housing market in the north of England and all of the different factors that influence house prices. And when you combine them all together, you can see that access to a railway station is really import a really important factor in that. And what, what, we're, what we're not looking at is how uh, improvements to the rail network can just arbitrarily increase house prices, because if, if land values, underlying land values increase, then hopefully that will bring forward uh, investment to build more houses in, in areas that they're really needed and can allow people to sustainably commute to work by rail. And it's a really interesting piece of research because I, I guess we all can kind of say, well, of course, if you live near a train station, that's going to boost your house price because it makes it more, you know, um, attractive place to to live. But it's it's really interesting. It's really important to have that that data and that research there, so that as you say, when we're when we're advocating for investment in infrastructure and we're looking at you know new housing developments new business developments that we're doing it all as a, a joined up approach yeah absolutely because there are some some areas maybe that aren't well connected at the moment that maybe don't even have a railway station using this research we can look at if you were to build a new rail station there what would that do to the value of the land and how much investment would come forward to to make that a, to basically regenerate that place Fantastic. So, so what's next for for this team and for for this kind of data and information that you've got now? Where do you go from here? So, we need to build it into our forecasting system so that we can look into the future and plan, test different transport strategies, different um, sort of rail network strategies, coupled together with different um, land use planning strategies, working with our local partners 
to understand the amount of extra value we could get from, from the transport network. Fantastic. Well, good luck, Jack, and uh, keep us updated. Thanks very much. Now I'm joined by James, who's going to give us a rundown of all the upcoming events. Hi Gemma, so on the 24th of October, Tim Wood speaking at Accelerate Rail, he's our Northern Powerhouse Rail Director. On the 5th and 6th of November, we've got the MP11 Clean Energy and Growth Conference in Hull. On the 6th of November, we've got Highways UK kicking off, so Peter Molyneux, our Major Roads Director, who we've just heard from, will be speaking there. And excitingly, on the 12th of November, we've got our very first TFN um, Rail Stakeholder event, so that will give the opportunity for multiple rail groups from across the north to come together and hear about what uh, TFN are doing to improve the passenger experience. Fantastic. So we've been doing a lot recently. There's been a lot going on out there in the uh, political and transport arenas over the past few weeks. As we just heard from James, there's a lot coming up as well. So stay tuned, listeners. We'll be back next month with another podcast. But in the meantime, stay up to date by following us on Twitter. Just search for Transport for the North. Our website, transportforthenorth.com, is there for all your information you may need about Northern Powerhouse Rail, our road schemes, our wider work. So check that out for the latest news. And also you can sign up to our email newsletter, All Points North. Just go onto our website, scroll down to the bottom and you'll be able to subscribe there. Thanks for joining us on the All Points North podcast. Join us next time. You can find us on Twitter at transport for north follow us on LinkedIn or visit transportforthenorth.com.